Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are literally counting down the days, if not the few weeks that we have left before Christmas. And if you have not started doing Christmas shopping yet, you really need to get a wriggle on. Now, Navman have an interesting range of products that could actually be the perfect gift for somebody in your life. Now, whether it's navigation or dash cams, I think there's something for you at navman.com.au. And what I mean by that is this, the Move 130M, it's a five inch navigation device for $139 recommended retail. And that can be that perfect gift for that person who's always late, tends to get lost, has low confidence going into the CBD or taking a road trip or something like that. This could actually be the thing that sets them free and allows them to leave home and venture more than 15 to 20 kilometers away from their home. Some people are like that. Otherwise, dash cams for others. There's even dash cams for motorbikes as well, which we have also reviewed on the show. So whatever vehicle they're driving, whether it's a truck, bus, car, or bike, there is something for you at navman.com.au. Merry Christmas. Stay safe on the roads. Let's go on with the magical show ahead. Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. Now, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, today, this morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this show, I'm telling you at this point of time in recording, I have a glass of red wine in front of me. Surprise, surprise. This one is from the Southern Highlands, a little vineyard called Artemis and a place where you can get some really soft Shiraz. And what I mean by that, it hasn't got that big earthiness to it like you do from Barossa Valley Shiraz. Uh, This particular one is a 2012. I pulled it out of my little wine cellar and unfortunately, I can't even find tasting notes for it online because uh, it's a little old, but it's absolutely delicious. The most most really one that I can find online now is their 2019 vintage of the Shiraz, which is $35. I'm pretty sure it was a little bit more than that uh, when I was buying. But the one thing about these particular wines is this. If you're somebody who doesn't go near Shiraz because they are a bit too much, they're a bit too strong, too powerful, too muscly uh, for your taste buds, then something like from Artemis, the Southern Highlands, their Shiraz cooler climate wines, it tends to be a little bit softer on the mouthfeel as well. So something I really enjoy, very nice on its own. Uh, but yes, you can obviously pair it with that perfect steak or lamb dish as well. Uh, if you are going to, this, to the cellar door, you're looking at about 35 bucks for the Shiraz. Um, generally with these smaller cellars, you tend to pay a little bit more than you would for just a typical Shiraz at Dan Murphy's. But Make sure you sit down, do a tasting. And actually at this place as well, they do amazing wood-fired pizzas on the weekends, pull up a picnic rug on the grass, sit among the vines. It's pretty magical. Now that we can travel again, it's the thing to do. Now, this week on the show, what are we going to talk about? Because we're going to talk a little bit of tech. Uh, We're not just going to talk about wine. We're actually going to talk about the rebranding of Facebook. Uh, There's been some changes. Mark Zuckerberg has been pretty vocal this week, actually, about a number of things. We're going to talk about the rebranding of Facebook and also a major change that came from their facial recognition service as well. We're then going to talk about 5G home broadband. Telstra has made some announcements in that space. What about gaming? Gaming? Well, ever heard of gaming as a service? Well, yes, of course we have. But what about Gaming as a service is already built into video streaming as a service. And yes, we're talking about Netflix starting to offer games inside their platform. And I have been testing a number of products. And this week, we're going to talk about one from HTC Vive. It's the portable, usable, mobile-friendly headset, which offers virtual reality in a very different way 
that we've seen from them before. And I can't wait to tell you all about those experiences, as well as anything else we come up with along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle in. This is Technology Uncorked. Now, look, it's been interesting for me this week to, first of all, hear about the rebranding of Facebook, but actually to pay more attention to the reaction in the market to people around this news as well. And honestly, I think if you are on Twitter, um, everything was negative. The whole, it didn't matter what Zuckerberg said. He could have announced that the company name was called Officially Curing Cancer, and people would have had an issue with the fact he was focusing just on cancer. Um, it didn't seem to matter what Zuckerberg would say. The response from the Twitter folk was outrage complete. And uh, everywhere else, I mean, if you asked my parents what they thought about the Facebook rebrand, they probably wouldn't even know what I'm talking about because it's just not exactly a big deal. But let me cover it for you in simple terms. Facebook is a product. It's a platform. It's an app. It's whatever you want it to be. It's a website you go to. There's also Instagram and WhatsApp owned by, at the moment, by Facebook. It made sense for the company to rebrand regardless of public sentiment of Facebook, because when you've got those three big platforms, they need to sit underneath an umbrella, and the umbrella shouldn't really be the name of one of the platforms. So Meta has been born, M-E-T-A. And Mark Zuckerberg made this announcement this week around the new company and that these other platforms would exist beneath it. However, there is a huge facet that's being created out of this, and Meta is effectively short for Metaverse. And for a lot of people, that's going to be the first time they've heard that term. What is the Metaverse? Well, this is where it's going to get interesting, because um, Zucks imagines a different world outside of just these platforms, where at the moment, I'm sitting in front of my computer and I can go to facebook.com. Inside facebook.com, I'm staring at my screen and I can see pictures presented, whether it's pictures that people have posted or videos that people have posted of their experiences. And I can interact with people as well. I can chat with them. I can video call with them or I can audio call. You can do all of that through Facebook. You can play games together and so on. But all of that experience is two-dimensional. I'm staring at a screen. So is the person on the other end. And we're interacting on a very flat surface, usually your monitor or your phone. The metaverse will change that. And what the metaverse will actually mean is that experiences will be immersive in, imagine putting a VR headset on, which we'll talk about uh, one of those later on, but imagine putting a virtual reality headset on your face and inside there would be a world. It could look like a world that you already live in, like your backyard. It could be the Louvre in Paris. It could be anywhere in the world. It could be just a simple cafeteria. But across from the table or around the room could be people that are on Facebook or people that you know. It could be your parents. It could be your friends and family. You may put your VR headset on in the morning, log into the Facebook's or, sorry, into Meta's Metaverse, and anyone who is online will appear in a very large room. It could absolutely be that case. And you could effectively virtually walk up to that person and talk to them in that audio would be synchronized. Experiences could be synchronized, including hand movements and gestures. So you could walk up to somebody you haven't seen in a long time and say, hey, good to see you again. Extend a hand, shake hands virtually, even sit down at a table and have a conversation. This would all be done completely virtually. I could be sitting at home at my desk. Dear listener, you could be at home and we could have a face-to-face -face meeting in a virtual world. 
That is effectively what the metaverse is. It's taking experiences that we could have in the real world and moving them online. So another example will be, and I'll talk about this in greater detail um, as we review the VR headset from HTC, but imagine schools, school excursions, right? Everyone bring your headset and everybody we're logging on, we're going to Paris today. We're going to walk around the Louvre together. And as soon as we log on, we get to the Louvre, someone from the Louvre Museum is actually going to give us a proper guided tour and they'll tell us which way to look at what particular time. Audio will synchronize in that same way. That is effectively what we could be doing with the metaverse and it's something that is now going to be one of the biggest focuses uh, for this new company called Meta. And you know, Zucks is talking about investing billions and billions of dollars into building this. It's a big gamble because we ha- he has to hope that we all accept this type of environment and we will wait and see what happens there. But the hysteria out of just that announcement on Twitter was quite crazy that you know, there, there is instances at the moment where Facebook is going through drama around privacy or around um, interference around government elections and things like that. And I find it fascinating that while those things are in place, the company can seemingly do no right. No matter what it is that they choose to do, there is going to be some sort of backlash or, or complete madness on, online about it. And what's funny is that if you don't like the platform, you don't have to use it. And anybody listening to this who is uh, upset about the fact that they've rebranded, that's fine. If you don't like Facebook, you can get off it. And that's as simple as that. There's no point being angry at a company that you're not even involved with. So if you are off Facebook, I don't think you need to complain about Facebook anymore because they're operating outside of your interests, outside of your world. When you're part of Facebook, yes, you can be upset if they've made a change. I remember when they used to change the wall. Remember the Facebook wall? And it was, I think it went from being um, from the most latest news to the oldest news, and it became more about what they thought you'd be interested in. The Fewer around that was it was exceptional. And that made sense because it actually impacted people's usability of the platform. But when it's a branding thing, time to move on, folks. Now, the other thing I want to talk about with uh, Facebook, and this is actually getting down to Facebook here. They have made an update on how they will use facial recognition. Many people listening to this probably don't even know that Facebook has been doing facial recognition. Now, the headline, as you see on most um, news outlets, is Facebook is shutting down their facial recognition system um, as if our phone cameras were staring at us as we use the app or as if there was some other surveillance happening. Well, because of that type of headline or because some people, privacy advocates particularly, read into headlines and don't read the actual rest of the text, Um, it's actually caused them to turn this feature off. And it's a pretty simple feature. Effectively, if I was to upload a photo, a group photo onto Facebook, um, in the past, you used to have to click on every person's face and say, this is Todd, this is Michael, this is Jeremy. Now, or sorry, not now, but after that, Facebook added facial recognition, which meant that if Todd, Michael, and Jeremy already existed on Facebook and they were already your friend and they already had pictures of themselves on the platform, then Facebook could effectively identify and say, hey, we can see that you've got Jeremy, Todd, and Michael in that picture. Do you want us to just tag it for you? And you just click yes, and it just automatically tags them. That's what the facial recognition service did. And that element of convenience is now removed because privacy advocates are so upset about it. And again, it's a feature that you didn't have to use. 
it's actually a feature that you could turn off. But here we are where innovation is being stifled because privacy advocates or others are just getting their knickers in a knot about the fact that, yes, Facebook is capable of doing facial recognition, but it's because we've fed them the images. It's because we've said yes to doing the automatic tagging. And they're actually our friends that we were probably going to tag anyway. And again, if you didn't like any of that, you could have always deleted your Facebook account and go to Twitter, where the outrage machine continues to run. Now, that is Facebook and Meta. We are going to now talk about uh, some incredible news. I guess it's incredible news uh, from Telstra. I guess it's an alternative to the NBN, uh, or it's just going to be a better version of the internet that you could possibly have. And then we'll talk about Netflix and the review of the HTC Vive Flow. Stay with us. Now, I have been actually asked to write a number of internet plan uh, NBN type articles for the best of section on news.com. And I feel like I've been doing a lot of these types of pieces and I've been as a result paying a lot more attention to internet plans and things like that that are out there, particularly in Australia, and really focusing around what the NBN can offer for how much you pay and what your best bang for your buck is and so on. And it's been interesting that uh, this week we had the announcement from Telstra that they've announced a new Uh, 5G home and business internet service. Now, this is not using the NBN. This is not using the wire that comes into your home. This is a base station that you would put inside your home, uh, which would connect to the Telstra 5G network and then spread that out to your home via Wi-Fi that you could use with your devices, your smartphones, and so on. And it's particularly interesting because the details of the plan make it appear that you could actually have this as your dedicated internet service and never even consider using the NBN. Now, there's a couple of caveats to that. First and foremost, let's talk about what you get. So for $85 per month, which is actually reasonable when you consider what a 100 slash 40 NBN plan could cost you, especially with this amount of data, for $85 a month, you'll get one terabyte of data. Now, that is not unlimited, um, but if I look at my internet usage per month, That effectively is unlimited for me because um, I don't use a terabyte of data per month, even though I do a lot of streaming in the home. A terabyte for me is actually more than sufficient. Um, You get one terabyte of data um, for $85 a month using their Telstra 5G network. In terms of speeds, Telstra is saying that you should expect an average typical download speed of 378 megabits per second. And they're talking about that particular speed during peak times. We're talking about between 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. when everyone's home, everyone's streaming something, everyone's working, gaming, whatever it is. 378 meg is three times plus um, the standard 100 megabit NBN connection that most Australians can get access to. So it's quite a significant jump. And it's got to be impressive. We're talking about a terabyte of data, $85 a month, which isn't outrageous, and having even faster broadband speeds. That could really mean something to a lot of people. Now, Depending on where you live, this will play into your advantage because Telstra is talking about having a limited amount of customers per area. So what this means is that if, for example, you live in a 5G area, you're signing up to this plan, but so is everybody else in the street, Telstra will probably stop accepting customers at a certain point. And that's to really limit congestion because they know that if you're having a bad experience on 5G, You'll return the product and you'll stop using them the next month. You may then move to Optus or another competitor. So what Telstra is doing to try and ensure quality of service is they know they've got that one tower in that area 
And if they over, oversell that tower, they're going to have a problem because they also have to realize that smartphones like Telstra smartphones will also be connected to that tower. And they need to make sure that effectively we're not going to degrade people's mobile experiences because suddenly 20 people in the neighborhood have signed up to 5G broadband and suddenly the network is you know, over capacity. So this is a smart move by Telstra to at least limit it to try and ensure a good customer experience. $85 a month is nothing um, in the scheme of things for what they are offering, provided it all works as expected. Um, I think this is an important thing to think about because the reality is, is that if you sign up to something like this, you're, wait, you're making a bit of a gamble in that you're bringing a device into the home, you're hoping it works. Where Telstra has been smart about it is they're not locking you into a contract. Um, you don't need to carry on month to month. Effectively, if you sign up in January and things aren't working so well, you've paid for that month, you return the modem back to the Telstra store, you're done. You're absolutely done. The whole thing is completely canceled. There's no termination fees. They're not going to get charged in February and so on. It's a, a one-stop shop. And I think this is something we need to start paying attention to, guys. If you're not happy with your NBN service, if you're getting constant dropouts, if you're not having the speeds that you expect, or if you're paying too much, 5G could actually start being the plan that you start to go on. And $85 a month, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Um, where I live, I'm moving, so I'm not going to sign up and try this. But at the same time, uh, I am tempted to try this when I move into the new place because if I've got 5G where I'm moving to, and I could just go and check the Telstra coverage map and find out, um, but it will change by the time I get there, then it could be a real viable option, at, especially for $85 a month. So do check it out. Always shop around, guys. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned from doing these, these articles for news.com is if you're not shopping around for your NBN plan, let alone what you pay for internet overall, you're crazy. You don't need to stick to big brands like Telstra Optus. Um, start looking at other NBN providers. Ask them when you call to sign up to their service, ask them how what their capacity is and the area that you're living in to make sure that they're not overselling where you're about to connect from as well. Um, important things that you should be asking. But if you have any questions about that, please ask. You know, please ask me. Send me a text uh, 0467439078. Just send me a message and ask me if you've got any questions about NBN internet services, or I can share the links um, to those news.com articles that I've written where you can get that uh, advice as well. After this, let's talk about Netflix, and then we're going to review the HTC Vive Flow. Now, look, before we do get into the rest of the news and reviews of the week, a real quick announcement and a shout out. I hope you're listening. Uh, Rob, who has entered into the draw, has left reviews of the podcast um, of the Epson printer. Congratulations. You are among many, many, many others who have entered. Uh, we're dumped into a spreadsheet and a random entry was picked. And congratulations, Rob. We'll be getting in touch with you. I'm hoping that you're hearing this and you may get in touch with me before I do, but uh, I will be sending a brand new Epson printer your way, which you can print, scan, copy to your heart's content because, hey, running on those ink tanks, you will just not need to replace those cartridges, well, not cartridges, those ink wells for a very, very, very long time. And that's got to be an investment anybody should be making. But congratulations, Rob. Now, from a Netflix point of view, there's been some interesting news and it's about gaming. Now, there's a whole bunch of TV shows and movies that you can be watching on Netflix, but on Android smartphones, you will very, 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 very soon potentially when you're listening to this, uh, be able to go into the Netflix app and start playing games. So at the moment, they're talking about a Stranger Things game. 
a game board which has shooting hoops, uh, card blast, and another one called Teeter Up. I haven't heard what that one is. Um, but effectively, you could start to use your streaming platform, which is Netflix, to play games as well. This isn't a bolt-on. This isn't an extra fee. This is something that you could just open up the app and start playing games if you don't want to actually watch content. And it's fascinating to me because when you think about what we know Netflix of, it's all about watching content. It's turning our TVs on. But if you're on the train and you don't want to watch Netflix, maybe you do want to play a game. Why shouldn't you be able to do that? Netflix wants you to stay within their app. They don't want you signing up to other services and putting more money into other people's pockets. They want you to think that Netflix is your one-stop shop for TV shows, movies, and gaming. Now look, the games that they've announced at launch don't sound that exciting. I probably won't play any of them unless I really have to check one of them out for demonstration purposes. But this is an interesting move by Netflix and something that other competitors have not done yet. What I would have thought would have made more sense for Netflix to look at instead of games is music. Why on earth has nobody got a one-stop shop for movies, music, and TV? That to me is much more appealing when I pay 14 something dollars for Spotify, 20 something dollars for Netflix. Even if you met me in the middle, we could do something. And I'd be happy to give an extra bit of money to Netflix so I can get my music catalog there as well. That would keep me within the app far more than games would. Now, if you're a child or if you've got kids' profiles on Netflix, they won't automatically have access to the games, they'll need to enter in a particular pin um, that, that parents can set on their kids' account so they can actually start to play them. And some of the games will be available offline, which again, for kids is another advantage. Also, if you're flying, you won't need an internet connection to play all of the games. Some of them you will. So look, interesting move by Netflix. Let's see where this goes. I'm hoping that they start to bring better games. But look, if we know about how good Netflix has been in terms of creating their own TV shows and movies, pretty good assumption to say that their gaming could be exceptional depending on what they do with it now htc um it's been really interesting for me I, this year i've had uh, a fair bit to do with htc I, I i got to look at their focus 3 which is a very serious uh, vr headset which does work standalone doesn't require anything connected to a computer or anything like that and does give you a very immersive virtual reality experience even with um, a left and right-handed controller to get your hands involved in the experience. But for me, and even when I was talking to HTC about that product, it's a very independent device. It's a conscious decision to put that headset on um, and disconnect from the rest of the world and only interact with what that device can do. Also with those two controllers, it does make it a very serious thing to be doing. You're really putting time aside to get engrossed in that experience. So what I also asked actually was, what about my phone? My phone screen is no longer visible. I'm someone who's very attached to my phone. And by putting this headset on, yes, it's a good or a bad thing that my phone is not part of that experience. I then got told about the Vive Flow. And the Vive Flow is a much cheaper device. We're talking about $750. Um, that looks like a very, I don't know, a very cool pair of sunglasses. They're very heavy duty sunglasses, but you know, a very reflective lens typed pair of sunglasses. And there is a cord down the back of them, um, the one of the back of the arms that connects to a smartphone. And it's actually interesting. You need to really, if you're looking at actually getting one of these before you do, there's a part on their website for phone compatibility check. 
you really need to click that button before you buy one of these headsets because it's not compatible with all phones. Um, you really, really, really need to do that because it took me about three devices before I found one that was compatible with the Vive Flow. And it's got to do with the processors and what it can output um, back to the VR headset. It's complicated, but just make sure you do check that. You install the VR app. Uh, it's called Vive. You install the Vive app on your smartphone. You connect the glasses to it. And within about three minutes, you are immersed in a virtual room with a menu in front of you and you're controlling the interactions with your smartphone. So even though you're in a virtual environment, you can't see your normal, natural, real world, um, you are holding your smartphone in your right or left hand and your screen becomes like a touchpad that you can use to swipe, to click and to really experience the world that you're in. And it's done in a very immersive way. You can actually see virtually your smartphone in the world that you're in, as well as it having a laser pointer that you can use to point to different things on the screen and actually interact with the world that you're in still. So HTC has effectively taken the, the controls that they would normally put in the left and right hand of their larger devices and built it into the smartphone. And that means that with one hand, you can do all of the things that you could do with the other devices to a certain extent. But it is quite interesting. And HTC is really trying to push this as something that you would start your day with. You would wake up in the morning, put the headset on, and maybe do some meditation, some sort of mindfulness virtual world experience where you, know, you could be sitting on the carpet in your lounge room and actually be sitting on a beach in the Bahamas, listening to the waves crashing, um, looking around at the birds, hearing birds fly overhead, and also maybe getting someone to talk you through some breathing exercises. That is something that you can absolutely do. You can also have virtual meetings, like we were talking about with the metaverse um, through Meta, I shouldn't say Facebook, through Meta, um, being able to actually have and experience people and see people in this world and have proper conversations with audio tracking and things like that, really immersive experiences. And then you take it again with other, other activities that you could be doing where it could just be for fun, whether it's gaming and whatnot. The other way that they're ingraining your smartphone into the experience is the ability to use your phone inside the virtual world. And you do that by clicking on a button that clearly says phone and it actually projects your smartphone screen in front of you. You can then go into all of your favorite apps and whatever it is, and you can start to scroll through that as much as your heart content, whatever, whatever you want to do that you can do on your phone, you can also do in the virtual world. But you can then also think about opening up Netflix and then effectively feeling like you're sitting in a cinema and looking at a beautiful screen that you can kick back, leave your smartphone next to you, still connected to your headset, and you're hands-free watching whatever you like, Netflix, YouTube, you name it. The one thing that I dis I'm disappointed by, um, this is a virtual reality headset and connected to my phone, I should be able to watch 360 degree video in my opinion. When I go on YouTube, there is plenty of 360 degree video, whether it's roller coaster rides or anything else. Um, it doesn't support that. It still brings your phone in as a projection into the world that you're in. So it's almost like when you walk into a cinema, there is a very big screen on that wall, that screen is not around you. That's just that screen in that wall. So it puts you into a virtual world, which is like the cinema. And that screen that you would normally see in the cinema is actually your smartphone display. And that's not as useful when you're trying to watch a 360 degree video because you're still stuck within the constraints of your smartphone screen, which is a, is a shame. Um, I've given that Facebook uh, that feedback to HTC and I hope that they do work on that in the future. But 
I think the biggest thing for me here, guys, is what this means for virtual reality for the everyday punter. If you think about a $700 headset today, yes, it's expensive. I get that. It's not exactly accessible by any person at the moment. But neither were laptops, neither were iPads when I, when I was growing up. Yet now, students carry iPads or laptops to school. It's part of, it's like when, when I was in school, you would get the uniform list and at the start of the year, and you had to go and buy certain protractors and rulers and angle measuring, I don't even know what they were called, apparatuses, all these things that you had to buy, a calculator and a special, cal- like a scientific calculator. Yet now it's completely normal to go and have a laptop in year seven or to have an iPad as part of your school curriculum to make sure you can get the work done. I genuinely believe that we will have virtual reality headsets as part of standard school sets or as part of people's backpacks as they go to school. And that's if they're going to school. Because what I'm thinking here is, guys, is that if I've got a VR headset in my bag and I go to school, I could walk into geography class and dead set, a teacher could say, right, today, guys, we've got an excursion um, at Disneyland. I was going to say the Louvre again, but I feel like I've already done that. Name a place, the Smithsonian Museum. Okay. Everybody puts their headsets on. They click a button. Boom. Suddenly I look to my left. There's Jimmy. There's John, there's my, my peers, but we're now standing as if we were waiting for our guided tour at the Smithsonian. And we would all be clicking and interacting and moving around the, the virtual world while also hearing from our tour guide and effectively going on a school excursion. Bang, we finish that, take the headset off, we're going to our next class. We might be going into science class. All right, guys, today we're going to go on the inside of mammoths. Okay. And that's what we do. We jump into a virtual world where a mammoth walks by and then maybe we just see inside its stomach or its skeletal system or whatever it is. But we're doing that together. We're actually seeing each other in this world, which is the metaverse. And we're all seeing each other in that and we can all talk and still interact with the environment that we're in, but we're doing it through virtual reality. Now, yes, that does mean, as I said before, technically I could do that from home. Technically, I wouldn't need to go to class to do that. But I think when you think about it as a tool, like we have our laptops and so on, you could still go to school, have your social interactions, but use it as a resource to experience what you're learning today. And trust me, that type of immersion is going to really change the way that we educate because it's no longer looking at, you know, videos. I remember we used to roll in the TV and VCR set from the hallway and you know that meant we were going to watch some sort of videotape that was created in the 1960s and it was boring and you were easily distracted. And you could still talk and and misbehave and whatever, write notes. But having an immersive experience like this will change the way that we learn. And it's absolutely fascinating. And it means that when you go home and you take your virtual reality headset back home with you, you could revisit that world. You could maybe take your parents there. You could really show people what you were doing that day. Think about that. It's absolutely fascinating. Plus, I mean, who? I didn't get to go on overseas travel for school excursions. I'll tell you what, if they can offer it in virtual reality, it would have been much more affordable And if you think about $700 for the headset, yeah, it's cheaper than a return flight to Europe. So an interesting one. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the show. I will give you a quick update. Um, This week, I've been arranging like mad products for a Christmas gift guide segment for Studio 10. Um, We'll be doing that early next week in studio. And as a result, I have a room full of product. I'm talking full of product. A lot of it that I hadn't tested in the past and had to give a quick, you know, a quick run through to see if I knew what the heck these things did and how they worked and whether they were worth putting into the segment. 
Um, but that means that next week we will probably do a Christmas gift guide. And I'm talking about stuff from 10 bucks all the way up to about $13,500. So um, a wide range of things, a pretty big focus on audio this year. I really, I really believe that um, a lot of people are asking for new earbuds, over-ear headphones, or portable speakers this year for Christmas. I think whether you want better individual experiences or better shared experiences, audio plays a big part in that. Um, I've got some great stuff for kids coming into it. And there is obviously something completely crazy at $13,500, which is in the segment as well. But we'll cover all of that in the show next week. If there's anything that you want to know about Christmas gift guides, um, anything you're thinking about, thinking about buying for somebody, um, or even wanting to ask for yourself, you know how to reach me. SMS um, 0467439078. DMs, whatever it is, email, you'll find a way to contact me. I'm always available. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. I'll speak to you again next week. Bye-bye.